Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Wrestling to the Max, SmackDown, Review. You may be able to tell this, but I am definitely not Sean Garmer. I'm not Paul Leeser, and I'm not Gary Vaughn. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Welcome to the Wrestling to the Max SmackDown review. And joining me today, making her debut on the W2M Network, my new co-host, Liz Puglisi. Liz, welcome in. Thank you. Um, I actually believe you... I actually believe you are becoming the first woman to review a wrestling show here for a W2M Network podcast. Oh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I like it. Congratulations. And indeed, we are indeed we are brought to you by W2Mnet.com, your official online home for all things related to the wrestling to the max network. You can find all of your favorite podcasts there, including the show that started it all, Wrestling to the Max, in addition to football to the max, video games to the max, soccer to the max, MMA to the max with my buddy Robert Taylor. My other show that I have here, Wrestling Unwrapped with Patrick Ketza, our football show, The Kickoff, and so much more is available over at W2Mnet.com. In addition, we are being spot to you this week as well by 411mania.com. So it's nice to be on there as well. Thanks for having us, Larry and Ashish. I appreciate it. And now we have a go-home SmackDown to attack here, Liz. And you know how you could tell it was a go-home SmackDown? It was boring. Less than 15 minutes combined in-ring action. Yeah, it was... I was bored. I was bored. That might not be a popular thing to say, but I struggled through paying attention to it. Really did. It started off for me. It started off terribly slow. Did not I think keep it, me interested. I think it had its highs and lows, and we'll touch on those as we get through the show. We're going to start here with a recap of what happened last week and the fact that Jinder Mahal is still somewhat racist. A little bit. Um, when you have when you have wrestling fans chanting at you, that's too far. You've done something wrong because we are a by and large very passable bunch. Yes, that's but true. That means- Last week, we ended up seeing Shinsuke come to life on the Titantron and then make his way out to the ring and ended up laying out Jinder Mahal with Kinshasa! I will never do that as well as Corey Graves does. So I just get in touch with my inner scream instead. Well, this week, we actually started with Jinder Mahal in the ring, and Mahal was cutting a promo with Renee Young, being your hostess with the mostest. 
And he is interrupted this time by the Singh brothers, Samir and Sunel. They eventually introduce your SmackDown heavyweight champs. Still really difficult to say WWE heavyweight champion Jinder Mahal with a straight face. But here we are. Mahal makes his way down to the ring, and after a distraction by the Singh brothers, ends up laying out Nakamura with the Coloss. Um, We're going to do predictions a little bit later on here, but the old adage is he who stands tall on the go-home loses on the paper. Loses, right. I was thinking about that earlier. But the thing to uh, the thing to kind of counterbalance that is that they just recently announced that they will be going to India for a couple of house shows later in the year. Your thoughts on the segment here, specifically the fact that Jinder Mahal ended up standing tall tonight? I did think that um, of that what what you just said about the he who stands tall usually loses. I can't see them taking the title from. Um, gender anytime soon specifically for the fact that they're expanding in India. I know a lot of people go back and forth about that, but it really is a good business move. So I don't think uh, Nakamura is going to win this week. And I know we're going to do predictions later. It's happened before though. I don't think everyone who stood tall has lost at the pay-per-view. So I don't think it will be too out of the ordinary to see gender retain but I was completely bored by it. It did absolutely nothing for me to make me interested in seeing their match. To be fair, the matches that they have had have done absolutely nothing to make me interested in seeing the matches. Mm-hmm. Um, Nakamura was on a tear in NXT, and he has yet to have any yes. matches on the main roster that have really lived up to what he was capable of in NXT. The second Ziggler match was pretty good, the one that was on SmackDown. It was pretty yes. good, but the pay-per-view matches against... The pay-per-view matches against Ziggler, Corbin, and Mahal have all been relatively disappointing. You know, I'm going to be honest here. Um, I never really watched Next that much. Followed it. You know, I knew who won. I knew who was champion. I knew who everybody was. Um, so, But I never really saw many of his matches. I would watch clips here and there and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And it was great. You know, I was hooked. You know, I bought the hype. But like other people who, when they come up from next, it just doesn't translate over. It, I, I agree. I don't think he's had the same success, the same oomph on SmackDown that he's had in that he had in next. Well, the thing about him being in NXT was is that he was lined up against people who played to his strengths. He was working people right. like Sami Zayn and like Austin mm-hmm. Aries and right. like Bobby Roode, all three of which are very, very good wrestlers. To uh, You can make the argument at least two of them are cons- would be considered great wrestlers, whereas here on SmackDown, he's been placed into feuds with Baron Corbin and Jinder Mahal, who, let's be honest, are a little bit uh, – how do I put Mess. this? So-so. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean no. – We'll talk, we'll talk more about we'll talk more about Baron Corbin a little bit later on in the show, but yeah, yeah really, pretty much really when it does, comes, it, it does take two to tell a story, you know. And if they don't mesh well in the ring, they don't mesh well in the ring. Is for me, I you know, every, a lot of some people will say, oh, I don't you know, the, it's the wrestling that matters, it's the actual match. It's this, in this day and age, is only part of it. It's definitely only part of it. They have to be able to, you know, speak. They have to be able to tell the story. I actually like both of them. I've always liked Jinder. I mean, I know people like, oh, whatever. But I always liked Jinder for whatever the the reason. Is he in my top ten? No, but I always liked him. 
I have no interest in him whatsoever as the champion. It's the sad truth. It does absolutely nothing for me. It doesn't make me like, oh, you know, I have to tune in. I have to see, you know, what he's doing. I find them boring. I apologize. I had some technical difficulties over here on my end. I am back now. Okay. All right. Um... So we move on, and we actually start the in-ring portion of the show this evening with a ladies' tag team match as Natalia and Carmella with certified Basham 2K17 James Ellsworth. <laughs> when is he going to go away? Taking on the team of Charlotte and Becky Lynch. Um, Corey Graves actually has a very interesting point here in the fact that Charlotte doesn't seem to be as, I don't know if I would say as motivated as she traditionally is when she's by herself, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't seem as focused when she's around her fellow four horsewomen here. And I thought that was a very interesting point that Corey Grace brought up. And it actually plays into this match here as Charlotte ends up getting caught and tapped with the sharpshooter by Natalia at about the seven minute mark. Right. Your thoughts on the tag match? I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it for, for what it is. Um, I think we're seeing far too many women's tag matches <laughs> lately. It seems that every time there's a women's match, or more often than not, when we had a multi-women, a tag, we have a tag team match on Raw, it's every week is like, all right, we're just going to cram them all into a match and, you know, see what happens. And I don't think that works for many of them. And that's the impression I got from, you know, Charlotte. I mean, obviously, he could just be setting up some storyline, but I don't think the tag matches work for the women, you know, quite often. They're not real tag teams. You know, I could make that argument that just, okay, here, I'm going to put these two people who are in a feud together, and we're going to make them be on the same team against two people who might be friends and might not be friends, and we're going to see what happens. And sometimes yeah, it's general- good, and sometimes it's not. Generally speaking, the women's tag matches do come across as kind of thrown together, especially now that we've gotten out of the days of the stables in the women's division. That being said, though, I think that this is kind of a serviceable distraction towards giving away, say, Charlotte versus Carmella as a one-on-one match tonight Mm -hmm. because there's only so many times you can do these singles matches before they lose any and all importance. Oh, no, I absolutely agree. You have to protect Carmella with the – with the briefcase to an extent because of the fact that at any given moment, she could be the next SmackDown women's champion. And there's only so much you're going to be able to do with her. If you constantly beat her while she has the case, ask Damian, ask Damian Sandow, how that works out for you. Exactly. You can't have the person who has the case lose every week because then when you win, like, well, it doesn't make any sense. What did she do to prove herself and deserve it? This right here, I do feel, was a case of the old adage coming into play, though, and I'll talk more about that when we do our predictions a little bit later on in the show. Because I definitely feel like this one's going to end up buying into the old adage as far as the go-home episode. Yes, absolutely. A brief video recap of the history between Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens. We'll talk more about that segment a little bit later. Takes us to the in-ring return on SmackDown of Bobby Roode as he beats Mike Bennett, Canellis in 55 seconds. You'd have been better off staying it at home. It was that quick, right? I honestly thought I had left the room. I'm not going to lie. I left the room and thought I was out of the room longer than I was. 
That's how um, quick it was. He would have been better off staying at home with his pregnant wife. Has he won a match yet? Did I miss anything? Has he won at all? Bennett? Canelis? Uh, can, has he won a match yet? Yeah, he beat Sammy in his debut after Maria distracted oh, Sammy. Right. So but that is the, that's the only one he's won on television, to my knowledge. That's what I, that's what I thought. At the same time, Canelis has also had a lot of time off of television due to his battle with, uh, with drug addiction as well. So, I mean, I'm not going to... I'm not oh, going to no, say I don't knock him at all. I give him a ton of credit. I give him a ton of credit for being honest about what he's going through and working to get through it and actually working to get through it. Cause a lot of people just say they are celebrities or not. I give him a ton of credit. Absolutely. And looking at this from a male perspective, mm, Maria, <laughs> I know. I'm I'm gonna miss her being on television because by the looks of things she's gonna be gone until she has the baby in April. Unlike Maurice, who has kind yeah. of had a couple of kind of had a couple of appearances here and there, but is definitely not gonna be doing anywhere near as much traveling as she was now that she's pregnant as well. There's something in the water over at Titan. I was Tower. just gonna say there's a mini WWE baby boom going on the last week, half a year to a year. There's been quite a few of them. Uh, Cena might want to get the snip snip. Don't get me I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah, All right, so, anyway, after Bobby Roode decides to make very, 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 very quick work of Mike Kanellis, we end up seeing Dolph Ziggler come out and confront Bobby Roode. On a scale of 1 to 10, what's your anticipation level for this match between Ziggler and Roode at uh, Hell in a Cell? Probably an 8. I like both guys. Um, I'd love to see Ziggler actually have a decent match. Well, I mean, not that he can't wrestle, but I mean, you know, something worth seeing. Um, something worth talking about. Um, a storyline. I like. I like both guys. I've liked Bobby Roode for years. Like I said, I didn't really watch Next, but of course, I heard all about him and I saw all the clips. Um, I think it'll be a good match. I think that's probably the match I'm looking the most forward to because it hasn't. Been uh, done. I don't think it's my most looked forward to match, but I do think that. Uh... I do think that it's going to be one of the better matches on the evening. We'll talk about my most look forward to match shortly because I believe the segment's coming up here in a few seconds. That being said, though, I feel like this could be Bobby Roode's opportunity to shine on a WWE pay-per-view, even though it is a B-show in the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view here. And I think that this could be the groundwork towards laying the foundation for what could become of the glorious one over on SmackDown Live. I feel like he has the attitude, he has the charisma, and he has the in-ring ability to be somebody that could eventually carry the SmackDown brand, much the same way he carried NXT. Definitely agree. All right. With that being said, we move on to our next segment here as I wait for the review to load again. I, I really should have just kept an actual like page for page noting on this as I did this instead of having to go to Larry's review for this. Thanks for the use of your review here, Larry. Appreciate it. All right. Um, so you know how I said that uh, that Ziggler and Rude was not my most anticipated match for the pay-per-view? The segment oh, for my out which one is? The segment for my most anticipated match is next, as the Usos read the New Day their rights. A little bit of back and forth between the two teams. The Usos speak first. Jimmy and Jay, very, they're very urban in regards – or not urban. They're very suburban in their uh, – What? How, how am I looking to phrase this? 
they're very like like I don't want to say gangster because I feel like that would be unnecessarily pigeonholing them, but it's it's mm-hmm. very it's very it's street almost culture. Like, it's street sorry. culture, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. To a degree that I almost feel like they're trying too hard sometimes. And there are those who have made that argument before you as well. I know one of my co-hosts over on The Reaction used to feel the same way. Uh, Tony actually really enjoys their their shtick that they had, but uh, Robert used to think that they were kind of trying too hard at times as well. With the whole one-day-ish, you know, in the penitentiary thing, I definitely think they're going for um, this thuggish type vibe that I don't get from them. I mean, I get the down since day one ish. I understand that one, but the whole Uso penitentiary thing just, just completely I misses think, with yeah. me too. I think they need to. For me, they use. I mean, obviously, everybody has their catchphrases and such, but for me, they say the same few things. It seems to me that they say the say the same few things over and over again. They just use well, basically the same lines for us in a sense. See, I don't know if that's necessarily they're doing or not, though, because a lot of times creative likes the talent to focus on these buds words, so that way they can oh, no, associate. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, I don't, I don't think it's their, you know, fault necessarily. I don't think they're going out there just repeating themselves. I definitely think that there's some guidance from creative. Okay, focus on this, use this, use this, but I think it's almost too much because it's very repetitive. It's more of an urban culture for the Usos. And while I think that there is a demographic that will definitely be in tune with that, I'm not part of said demographic, so I don't necessarily get it. I mean, that, I, get, I get it. I'm not technically part of that demographic, but from where I live and where I'm from, I definitely get it. But I think their phrasing is just overly repetitive. Like every other thing that they say is the same thing. All right, so speaking of coming out and saying the same things, Kofi comes out and does the majority of the talking on the way to the ring for the New Day and says how they're not going to come out here and they're not going to hype stuff and they're not going to sell stuff. And then they proceed to plug the new underwear available. Smooth, smooth, Kofi. But once they get into the ring, it's down to business. And they talk about how the Usos claimed they were going to read them their rights, and now the the New Day is going to read the Usos their lefts, as in they'd left the last time these two teams met with the tag team titles, which I thought was a nice line. Yes, I like that. Kofi then promises to leave them in a pile of their day one-ish, which is about as un-PG as they can get on this particular show. <laughs> Raw is traditionally the language-heavy show. Yeah, they, they're very creative in pushing the... <laughs> pushing the boundaries. Um, I liked this segment, and I didn't like it. And the reason that I didn't like it is because I think having the Usos kind of slink away at the end was a mistake. I think while the New Day was doing their New Day Rocks thing, the Usos should have attacked and tried to take out one of the members to officially negate the numbers advantage that the that the New Day would have going into the Hell in a Cell. And I've spoken to other people about this as well. I, Sorry, I know I keep sounding like I'm talking over you. I was expecting them to go after um, Xavier, who I'm assuming is healed from his knee injury, but I was expecting the same thing. I was expecting them to attack one of them, either Xavier or E. 
Well, if uh, I talked to uh, Gary, sat in with me for the SmackDown review last week because Sean wasn't feeling well, and then mm-hmm. now Sean's off the review permanently. But Gary sat in with me last week, and me and him talked about the same thing here. And I said that it would make sense from the from the USO perspective to go after one of the members of the New Day, much the same way they jumped the New Day backstage the day after the New Day won the tag team titles, because I feel like it would show a renewed sign of aggression in the USOs, and it would show that going into Hell in a Cell, their mindset is right, that they're ready to go to war on Sunday. It did. It definitely, it definitely um, fell a little flat for me as well. It was the usual back and forth. Some, you know, in some cute lines, a couple of laughs, hyped it up a little bit, and that was it. They walked away. The Fashion Files were supposed to return tonight. Unfortunately, they apparently packed too many video packages into this go-home episode. They will return at Hell in a Cell instead. In addition, we announced the kickoff match for Hell in a Cell as Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin, the world's greatest tag team 2.0, will take on the Hype Bros. That is not their official WWE name. That's just the name I'm going with. Anywho. Interesting. Uh, Baron Corbin and Ty Dillinger is up next here. Why is Ty Dillinger not a part of this match at Hell in a Cell? I don't know. I don't know. As I said multiple times already, and everybody knows, I didn't really watch Next. I had no idea really about, you know, the whole 10 thing. Um, because there was a little bit of time where I wasn't really watching any of the shows a few months ago. I like him. I, you know, I think he's great. I don't know why he hasn't been use more but you can make that argument for many people but I could definitely make an argument for him being more involved in the pay-per-view is he's been coming out for how many weeks now he had the interaction with AJ Styles over the course of the last couple of weeks that were interrupted by mm-hmm. Baron Corbin and then he got personally involved in Corbin's business as well the last couple of weeks exactly. and, and then with Dillinger picking up the pinfall victory tonight with the roll-up off of uh, off of a distracted Corbin as well. You got to think that it would lend even more credence to the fact that Dillinger should be in this match. Now, my assumption would be is that, that something goes somehow. down that, that somehow something goes down on the pre-show and we see Dillinger add it to the match to make it a triple threat. So that I way, if so. they do decide to put the U.S. title on Corbin, they can do so by having him pin Dillinger instead of Styles, and you can keep Styles strong for wherever you want to send him next. That makes a lot of sense. That being said, the other thing that they could do, too, is they can keep the title on AJ Styles because uh, they want to see what Styles is capable of doing with the U.S. Op- with the US, US title open challenges. But that's all, folks. Yeah, I know we're going to get to the predictions, but I kind of see them. I do kind of see them keeping the, the U.S. title on Styles. I actually like Corbin. I think he can have a strong future. I know the, everybody. I know a lot of people got down on him with the whole money in the bank cashing in the case nonsense. Um, but I think that actually worked. Um, I do see them keeping the the belt on Styles because other than this nonsense of you have going on with Owens and and Shane, there's nobody really up. Nobody really else carrying the show. That champion isn't. It's pretty much AJ. Speaking of AJ, he has a promo after the match that says that if Corbin thinks that he can take shortcuts with AJ Styles, that he will be cut short, which was a nice little line for Styles. Styles is not traditionally known for his mic work, but I thought he did an okay job here, and I feel like Styles is one of those guys who doesn't need to be great on the microphone as long as he's continuing to have great matches in the ring. I agree, although I 
I feel that he has had shown some uh, improvement the last couple of months on the mic. I think he's getting more mic time now that he's the U.S. champion, too, which is mm-hmm. kind of forcing him to get better on the microphone as well. Right. Also, me and you talked about this before we came on the air. It needs officially stated on the air. Baron Corbin's new theme song is badass. Amazing. I listened to it while we were trying to sort out a Skype issue. Love it. Love it. I, w- I can't wait to hear the full version of this song. I know. It's going to be fabulous. I think it's going to be up there with Glorious. No, yeah, that's, it has to be one of my favorites because there's not many theme songs I actually like. Um, honestly, if we're talking WWE theme songs, this has the possibility to be my favorite since Drew McIntyre's old Broken Dreams theme song. Oh, wasn't that the best? Yeah, it's one of, my, one of my favorite bands, Shaman's Harvest. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with the band other than that theme song, but love, I can, love it. I can I we'll talk off the air. I actually have the full version of that song, the non WWE edit of it. Uh, we'll talk off air. I'll send you the link. Okay. All right. So we're going to intentionally skip the next segment in order to avoid me saying something very unfamily friendly on this very family friendly network. And I thank you for it. Um, discussion. <laughs> a reminder. A reminder. Yes, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Make sure you visit your friends at the American Cancer Society. Moving on. Randy Orton and Aiden English. Uh, love, Aiden's Engl- love Aiden English's gimmick. He's still not getting treated any better in the ring against somebody like Orton here. In and out in a minute and a half with an RKO. I actually, I'm actually happy to hear that somebody else likes Aiden English. Because I do. I, I enjoy his routine. I like him in, I like him in the ring. I, yeah, I feel like pretty sad. I feel like I find myself singing the drama king right along with him whenever he gets okay. to do it. Not to say that I have the pipes that Aiden English does, but no, uh, yeah, Simon Simon Gotch was definitely a hindrance to Aiden English in my opinion because this gimmick was just as over in the NXT as it was mm-hmm. now that they've brought it up to the main roster. Right, I enjoy it, and like I said, I didn't see you know I didn't see it in next, so for me it's relatively new. I enjoy it. All right, um, Orton picks up another win, RKO out of no. Okay, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If he keeps hitting it out of nowhere, doesn't it eventually have to come out of somewhere? Completely. <laughs> I'm kind of over Orton, and I have been for some time. Um, Lack of motivation, I, I think, for Orton. Yes. I was just I, about I, to I, say, it really seems like he phones it in all the time. It's the Orton, same thing all Orton the time. Runs. Orton runs very hot and cold. When he's motivated, it's easy to tell he's motivated. When he's not, it's easy to tell he's not. Mm-hmm. I agree. And that brings us to our main event segment, which is the confrontation between Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens. Shane McMahon comes down to the ring, cuts a promo. He's interrupted over in the staircase by Kevin Owens. Owens proceeds to walk away. Shane says that if you're not going to come to me, I'm going to come to you. Shane very stupidly forgets the number one rule that the second person to a scene is most likely to get jumped and proceeds to mm-hmm. get jumped. They brawl around the corridors inside of the Pepsi arena. And even though Shane tries his best to sandbag Kevin, Owen still power bombs him through a table. Your thoughts on that power bomb? Cause God, that looked ugly. That was great. 
That was great. I was hoping they'd be able to cancel the match from it. Um, wow. It's true. It's true. I like Shane McMahon as much as the next person. If I never see another Shane McMahon match, I will be a happy person. I, wow. I much, I much, much prefer Shane to any of the other McMahons, including Hunter at this point, to being on air. I really do. I love Shane. My best friend adores Shane. She'd kill me if I said otherwise. <laughs> I do. I much prefer him. I find him way more entertaining. It has nothing to do with the fact that he's willing to get in the ring or jump off the Titan Tron or whatever other insane, jump off the helicopter, any of those things. I'm just tired of it. It's just like, I'm just tired of the Shane matches. They're not, some of them are good. He has some good moments. I'm just over them. I don't think they serve any purpose. They more often than not start out about the, from the same thing. Somebody's insulted the family or somebody's whatever. Um, now, could the one with Kevin be one of the better ones? Most likely because it's Kevin Owens. But I am really over them. Over them. And as pathetic as it will sound for me to say, if Shane wins, I will be thoroughly disgusted that they had Shane win. So coming back to the ring, Kevin decides to cut a soliloquy of his own. I just like that word, soliloquy. I love that word. Um, So Shane decides to – or Kevin decides to cut a soliloquy of his own, and eventually Shane McMahon decides to try to make his way back down to ringside. They yet again continue to brawl, and the last image that we get as they go off of the air after brawling around ringside some more, putting over how tough it is that Shane came back from being powerbombed through a merch Mm -hmm. table that didn't entirely break in the first place, but I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Shane didn't get up very high either, but neither here nor there. The last thing that we see as we go off the air on this particular episode of SmackDown is Kevin Owens standing tall off of a pop-up powerbomb. That actually did look good. That was. That was that was beautiful. Uh, something that we did not mention that I think might play a role in Sunday as well is the fact that Sami Zayn tried to talk to Shane McMahon about going out to the ring to confront Kevin Owens and what to expect going into Hell in a Cell. And mm-hmm. Shane pretty much blew Sami Zayn off. So does Sami side with Kevin or does Sami help Shane? See, that's going to be the big question, I think. And now that we have a false count anywhere stipulation on this match, which is stupid because it's a Hell in a Cell match, but... Honestly? Yeah, I know. I didn't understand that. I was actually going to ask you that like offline. Like, where does that make sense? But I don't really know why now. Um, if I could think of somebody who would tell me I was wrong anyway. Um, I can see it's Sammy a- siding. I can see Sammy siding with Kevin in the sense that there has been, like, little things on, like, you know, Twitter with him and Daniel Bryan about how him being on SmackDown hasn't worked out the way they thought it would be. I can see him siding with Kevin in response to the way Shane brushed him off, a little bit more disrespect. You know, Sammy's snapping a little bit, you know, as well, kind of seeing Kevin's side of things. I would love it. And long, long-time fans of Stenerico would have no issues with them being a tag team in the WWE. I was going to say that, yeah, Absolutely. That being said, though, I think it would end up being a short-term thing in order to set the road up for WrestleMania between these two and possibly doing something down the road for them at WrestleMania. Because those two, a friend. 
Yeah, well, it's more to the point that those two are like oil and water. Like they may right. blend for a little bit, but in the grand scheme of things, they're not going to get along for an extended period of time. Right. All right, so that's your SmackDown review here. We're going to put a rating on the show a little bit later on after we do our predictions for the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view here. So you might want to think about your rating, scale of 1 to 10, by the way. And we'll do ratings as soon as we're done with our predictions here. So shall we get to the predictions, Liz? We shall. All right, let's start with the pre-show match. Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin, the world's greatest tag team 2.0, taking on the hype bros of Mojo Rawley and Zack Ryder. Is this where the hype bros break up, and will anybody care? I think they lose and they break up, and a few people care. Do they I lose? Think. Yes, they lose. Yeah, I got I Gable and Benjamin here as well. I don't think they, they I don't think they break up on this particular show. I think that I think it happens on the I think this. I think the breakup happens on the SmackDown following, possibly during a rematch with them and Gable and Benjamin. I can see that because it looks like Gable and Benjamin may be the next challengers for whoever comes out of Hell in a Cell with the tag team titles. And since we're discussing that right now, let's go ahead and move into that match, tag team Hell in a Cell match as the New Day takes on the Usos. Which two New members Day. of New? Which two members of New Day is it? Ian Xavier. See, I think it'll be Big E and Kofi. I think they bring out the big teaming for the big match. Possibly. I like Xavier, so I'm throwing him in there. Um, I think they would. I think they retain. I'm hoping they retain, only because I'd hate to see the belt, the titles change hands yet again. <laughs> Even if they're going back to the people that had them before, but I think they leave them one new day. I think the Usos walk out tag team champions again. And the reason I say that is because the obvious de facto number one contenders are going to be Gable and Benjamin, who are a babyface, technically tag team. So it would make sense to me from a uh, from a booking perspective to have the heels as the champions for the babyfaces to chase. Makes absolute sense. Do you see them? I know this goes years off from home, but do you see them breaking up the new day anytime soon? No, not anytime soon. Either. Especially <laughs> me either. A, Especially not considering that they're coming up on the one-year anniversary of them hosting WrestleMania, and I would not be surprised to see them host next year's WrestleMania as well. Makes sense. All right. SmackDown women's title is on the line as Natalia defends against Charlotte. I mentioned earlier that I think this was going to be an example of the old adage ringing true. I think Charlotte walks out as the new champion. I think Carmella walks out as the new champion. Ooh, interesting. Does she cash in during the match or does she cash in? Does she cash in during the match or after? Uh, initially I want initially I was thinking Natalia wins and Carmella cashes in. So I'm gonna okay. stick with that. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with that. I have an idea for you for something I've seen done in other promotions that I think would be interesting here. Imagine Carmella cashing in while Charlotte has Natalia trapped in the figure eight. Carmella sneaks in and pins her. I'm trying to visualize that. I like it. She sneaks in and pins Natalia while she's trapped in the figure eight. Charlotte can't get her legs untangled in time to break it up. Natalia's in too much pain from the figure eight to kick out. And then Charlotte goes berserk. I like it. I'm going to be disappointed if that doesn't happen. If if Carmella would, were to cash in during the match, that's how I would like to see it done. If she cashes in after the match, then obviously all bets are off. But Right. All right. That would be awesome. They should listen to you. So 
Randy Orton takes on Rusev. Orton beat Rusev in nine seconds at SummerSlam. Rusev beat Orton in nine seconds on SmackDown. My attention span for this match is going to be about nine seconds-ish. I just... Yeah. Rusev has to win here, right? He has to. He need, and, and I hate saying it, but he needs it, air quotes. You know? It doesn't... If he loses, then what? What do you do with this? Exactly. You've, you've exactly. him. You've given him the opportunity to get his victory back against Orton after basically making him look like a joke at SummerSlam, and then having him get pinned in an actual match here does him no favors either. I think that you have to take – you need main event level talent on SmackDown. Orton has been completely unmotivated, whereas Rusev has taken the dog crap that has been given to him and turned it into Mm -hmm. gold over the last two years. You know, I really love watching his um, his and Lana's – Instagram stories, they're hysterical. They're fabulous. He's very entertaining. He's very entertaining. I hope he wins, and I hope they use it where he destroys Orton so we get rid of him for a little while. I Maybe think he or- needs I think he needs that level. I'm not saying I don't know. I know people I know people always say, Oh, so and so is getting ready to take time off. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't pretend to know these things. But I would like to see Rusov get a win against Orton where He's seemingly destroyed that he's gone, you know, for at least, you know, two weeks or so. He needs that level win, not just a pin. Well, not to mention, I think Orton's miscast as a babyface as well. Orton's a way better heel. The problem is, is they just don't have a lot of high-level babyfaces on SmackDown right Right. now. I mean, outside of AJ Styles and the New Day, to an extent, realistically speaking, who do they have on the face side there? Bobby Roode? Bobby Roode's an unproven commodity on the main roster. I, I don't, for me, I never even think of Orton as a baby face. I'm like, oh, there's Orton, you know, not necessarily that I think of him as the villain or the bad guy. I just, if anything, you know, the in between, I never think of him as a baby face. Makes sense. And I'm All not right, saying I move. think, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying it's not, not that I think Rusev is the baby face either. I just, when I see Orton, I never think baby face. Rusev's a baby face to me. Randy? Take the fish. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Bobby Roode, it is Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler in Bobby Roode's pay-per-view debut for the WWE. And, yeah, there's no way Ziggler's winning this match. Roode pinfall glorious DDT in about 12 minutes. I agree. Wow, that's two-word answered. Nice. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) We move on. U.S. title match. Who you got? Thank you. My gut says AJ. Um, go, going back to what you said, where they need somebody of that level to carry the show. I think he does it well, and I think he would still be in that spot with the title. Um but I think, I think most people are going to say Corbin, but I'm going to say AJ. See, I'm actually going to agree with you, and I'm going to pick AJ as well. Although I do think that uh, Ty Dillinger finds himself added to this contest because I mm-hmm. feel like that would be the most obvious choice to me in order to make this a triple threat and to possibly have Corbin – or not Corbin – have Styles work his way into a singles feud with Dillinger to establish him as a main event level player on SmackDown as well because I do believe that Dillinger has the fan base to put himself in that level. If he's not added to it, he definitely gets involved somehow. 
make no sense for him not to be. All right, that'll take us to the Hell in a Cell match between Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. It's probably going to be Shane. We all know this, but I'm really hoping it's Kevin, so I'm going to say Kevin. See, I don't think Shane has a chance here. And the reason I say that is because Shane comes in to do his spots. He comes in to do his moves. He comes in to do his big bumps and stuff, but he always loses. Shane hasn't won a match in the WWE in a decade, decade and a half. I mean, granted, he took like a seven-year hiatus, but still, even before he left originally, he wasn't winning matches. True. True. But... Yeah, that's true. He hasn't he hasn't won, but I could I can see them having him win this one. But we'll say Kevin. Yeah, I'm definitely going with Kevin here. All right, let let's move it over to our well alleged main event, I guess, as Jinder Mahal defends the SmackDown title against Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, before I answer, do you think this match will be on before or after Shane and Kevin? Before Shane Kevin's yeah, the main event. Main event, yeah. Um, Jinder. Jinder for, for several reasons. Um, the one that everybody's been saying for a while, you know, the whole business in India, that's still growing. And like you said earlier, um, they're going over there. They're going to India. So I can see them. I mean, if they, if they do take it from him, I can see them giving it back to him before they actually, you know, go over there. Um, but I'm going to go with Jinder. I just don't I'm, think Nakamura's, I hate to say over enough, because I really hate that phrase, over, as popular as he is, I don't think there's some confidence in him having it yet. See, I disagree. I think that they're going to put the belt on Nakamura here. And the reason I say that is I think they realized that while it may have been an original ratings attraction at first when it happened, SmackDown's viewership is way down with Jinder Mahal as champion. Whereas I feel like Shinsuke Nakamura is somebody that the casual fan will tune in to see. So I think that we'll see the opportunity for Jinder to get it back probably around the time that they go to – around the time that they go to India. Plus, not, mm-hmm. let's not forget, too, that Starcade house show that has been bantied about as well is supposedly supposed to have Jinder versus Shinsuke for the title as well. So what's to say that the roles of champion and challenger won't be switched going into that, and Jinder could get the belt there if it ends up – get the belt back there if it ends up being a network special. Very valid points, but I'm still going to go with Jinder. All right, so we're going to agree to disagree on that one. We'll see yeah. how we do next week when we do our SmackDown review. We'll I usually see how we... do really, really poorly in predicting the winners. Well, we'll see how we did next week when we come back for our SmackDown review next week here. As for this week, the only thing left to do with tonight's episode is to put a little bow on it and give it a nice little rating. Scale of 1 to 10, Liz, what do you got? 7. Seven? I'll be generous. That's, that's a, it, it is, it's a very generous number because I don't want people to be like, oh, wow, she's a real witch, this one. Um, no. It, it had its moments. Um, what kept me interested kept me interested, but what didn't, didn't. But I'll, be, I'll say a seven. 
I think seven's incredibly generous, and I don't care if people like me or not on this show, so I'm going with a five. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely this was, see that. This was a middle-of-the-road SmackDown, even by go-home standards. SmackDown has always prided itself on being the wrestling show. And while I understand you don't want to take the risk of having any of your key players getting hurt five days before the pay-per-view, giving the the fans in attendance 15 minutes worth of in-ring action for the money that they spent for those tickets is insulting. Especially when you consider the level of talent that is on SmackDown. No Kevin Owens match. No Sami Zayn match. No AJ Styles match. No Dolph Ziggler match. And Bobby Roode's no. in the ring for a Bobby Roode's in the ring for a grand total of fifty five seconds. I mean, yeah, no. There's so many people that even could have put on multiple quick matches that would have made it more worth the money. I always want. I always think of that when I see. Even some of the Royals, you're like, okay, is there anybody going to wrestle tonight? Um, it's like, what are, what are you paying the money for? I don't want to go to a, an event and just see people talk to each other. It's just, it reminded me too much of the Attitude Era where you would have a two-hour episode of Monday Night Raw and you'd rarely, if ever, crack 20 minutes of in-ring content. I am somebody who watches professional wrestling for the sports part of the sports entertainment yes, aspect. absolutely. Give, give me in-ring content over over promos any day of the week. If I'm a paying fan at this show, I am incredibly disappointed and I don't care what the dark match was. I'm disappointed that I spent money on a ticket to come and sit on my hands, basically, while there were four matches that grand totaled about 13 minutes of in-ring time. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Jinder hasn't wrestled that much recently on SmackDown, has he? Uh, I don't think Jinder's wrestled on SmackDown since right around the time that he got the title. That's what I thought. Uh, well, that's not yeah, because I remember him beating Mojo Rawley to retain the title on SmackDown. But that's pretty much about the ex- – he beat AJ Styles and stuff in the build toward. But the, the the defense that he had against Mojo Rawley's the last time I really remember him wrestling on SmackDown, he might have wrestled Sammy once or twice since then. But honestly, it hasn't been that much. Right. That's what I thought. All right, that is going to do it for us for your SmackDown Live review in addition to having our Hell in a Cell predictions here as well. Liz, welcome to the family. Thank you for having me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. I appreciate it. (laughs) Liz and I will be back shortly with 205 Live Review as well. But for now, I want to thank once again 411 Mania for having us for our SmackDown review as well as our sponsor home, the main place to find any and all things related to wrestling to the max and the W2M network. That is W2Mnet.com for Liz Puglisi. I'm Harry Broadhurst. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week with more of the two with more of the W2M SmackDown Live review. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit w2mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully, it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.